0: This ministry 127 podcast is a lesson taught by Brother Larry Chapel during a Wednesday night teen Bible study at Lancaster Baptist Church. Brother Chapel serves as the senior high youth pastor at Lancaster Baptist Church and is a graduate of West Coast Baptist College. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. When you study topics like forgiveness in the Bible, at a certain point in time, it doesn't apply to every single person. At that time. It's kind of like when you talk about difficulties and trials. Okay, we could we could bring a message tonight about difficulties in life and trials, and not it doesn't apply to everyone in the sense that everyone's going through a trial at this point in time. But it does apply in the sense that at some point in time, every single person in this room is going to need to apply these principles of forgiveness and of going through difficulties in their life. It's only a matter of time. It's not a matter of if. It's only a matter of time. And so many, so many people, even in their high school years, I had a friend of mine that I really sincerely believed. He loved the Lord. He loved our church. He went to our school. He was in my class. I, I felt like he had a good heart. And one day something happened. It was a youth worker that said something to him. And what the youth worker said was absolutely right. And how the youth worker said it, was absolutely right. And this guy was a guy that had grown up with me. He'd gone to school with me like my whole entire life. And, and that one day, that one comment that the youth worker made, this guy's heart wasn't right. And it just didn't sit well with him. And then rather than, than, than give maybe the, the youth worker the benefit of the doubt because the youth worker did love him, he began to become bitter about the situation. Literally, he began to, began to come angry. And you can actually see it was around our senior year, around graduation time, you could see his heart go, grow cold. And it was like physically, you can actually see his face. You could see how so many times he enjoyed the things of the Lord, and now it wasn't a joy for him because that root of bitterness had taken root in his life. Uh, in this passage, Jesus is establishing uh, really what the church was going to be. And he was teaching his disciples how the church would operate and how the church would function, okay? You and I, we're used to going to church, you know, two, three times a week. We get in the car, we ride to church with mom and dad, some of you guys are driving your own. So you're used to be going to church. You're used to the concept of church. But when Jesus came, there was no church. There was synagogues and there was the temple. Uh, but there really wasn't there wasn't church like like he was going to establish, okay? Jesus died for the church. Jesus loved the church. The church was a big deal. So what Jesus did was he took some time to disciple and teach his disciples about what the church was going to be like. So then Peter comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus this question, and he thinks by this question maybe he's going to earn some good merit here with Jesus, okay? Have you guys ever been in one of those situations where you're at school and you know the answer to the question you're about to ask, but just you stating the question shows some level of intelligence on you, so... It's kind of fun just to even ask that question because half of your classmates don't understand it. This is a little bit what Peter might have been feeling. So he comes to Jesus and he says, uh, he says, where's our verse here? Uh, look at verse number uh, 22, 21. Then came Peter unto him and said, Lord, how oft shall I forgive my brother's sin against me? And I, uh, and I forgive him till seven times? And so here... Peter comes to Jesus and says, Okay, Jesus, when I'm wronged, when someone does something wrong to me or mean to me, uh, how many times should I forgive him? Should I forgive him, let's say, seven times? Now, already, Peter was being very generous to himself. Okay, Because according to the Jewish law, uh, it was required by Jewish law to forgive just a few times. I forget exactly. It was like four or five times they were required by law. Maybe three times they were required to forgive. Seven times that was well above the requirement of the Jewish law. So Peter, he thinks, he thinks he's making himself look good. Here he comes to Jesus and says, how often should I forgive someone that wrongs me? Maybe seven times, and he's throwing that out like, like that's what I would do, but, but really that's probably not what he would do in all reality. And so he he asked Jesus this question. Peter made two wrong assumptions. The first assumption was this: the question he asked was uh, based on the fact that a brother of his, you know, another Christian brother, would sin against him. Okay, and here's how it is: a lot of times we are so tolerant of our own sin, and not very tolerant of the sins of others. And here, Peter really, what he should have been asking, if he was truly endeavoring to be a good Christian, was uh, uh, God, what can I do, Jesus, what can I do to be a better person so I'm not in the place having to ask for forgiveness so frequently? Okay, but that's not Peter's question. Peter says, how many times should I forgive?" The, the first wrong assumption he made was that his brother would sin against him, when in all reality, probably Peter would just as frequently be sinning against his brother. Peter asked for a limit of, of love and forgiveness, and he asked Jesus, at what point should I limit my love and limit my forgiveness? Okay? Some of you better be so thankful that you don't have parents and youth workers and pastors that work that way with you. Oh, man, a dozen times this year they've told me they were going to try differently, and they haven't. And there I go. I'm going to cap my limit of love and forgiveness. And 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 some of you really ought to be thankful of that. And so Peter asked Where's, where's the limit? The Bible says that love keeps no record of wrong. And so here, Peter says, How many times should I forgive? Maybe seven times. Jesus came back and said to him, Seven times 70. I did the math. That's 490 times. 490 times. And the point was, to, the point to Peter and the point that is applicable to us as well is the fact when it comes to terms in, of forgiveness, we shouldn't keep score. We shouldn't keep score. Love keeps no, bears no record of wrong. So then what Jesus does is what he did frequently. When someone asked him a question, when someone was trying to understand a new theological, biblical truth that maybe was a little bit difficult to understand, Jesus gave a parable. Jesus gave a parable and told a story about a certain man. And he says this guy, we read it just a moment ago, it said that, and, and, and let's write this down in your notes. Uh, there was a servant. Let's look at three roles of the servant. There's a rich man and every year he does his year-end accounting, okay? And a lot of times what would happen in biblical times was there wasn't necessarily ATM machines and banks as readily accessible as we have them today. So if you were a servant and you had a good master, oftentimes the master would loan you some money. The servant comes to the master at the end of the year. And And the master's taking account. He's looking at his bookkeeping. He's looking at how many times he loaned money out. And very quickly, it became very apparent and very obvious to him that one of his servants owed him a lot of money. Have you guys ever owed anybody some money? Okay, that's never a fun place to be in. This guy owed a lot of money. So three roles of the servant. First of all, the servant was a debtor. The servant was a debtor. He owed money. And the debt was obvious. The servant was a debtor. We've got a lot of blanks here, so we've got to move quickly. The servant was a debtor. Write these down. And the debt was obvious. The debt was massive. Okay. The Bible says that when he had began uh, to reckon, when he began to reconcile his accounts, it, it was so obvious that it didn't take him days and days of accounting to understand that one of his servants owed him a tremendous amount of money. A tremendous amount of debt. So the debt was obvious. Thirdly, the debt was massive. It was obvious and it was massive. Look at verse number 24. It says, When he began to reckon one uh, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Uh, This is an incredible amount of money. We don't know exactly how much money it was today, but we do know that the debt that this servant owed and today's money was in the tens of millions of dollars. So first of all, this guy that loaned the money was really wealthy. And secondly, the servant, I don't know what he was buying, but he was spending money like crazy. The debt was massive, millions and millions of dollars. The reason we know that the debt was this massive is that the Roman history that we can look at, we can look at some of the different tax assessments from different countries and counties under Roman rule, In some large cities, in some small countries, as a total, did not pay debt, uh, to not pay taxes to the Roman government as large as this one man's debt. His debt was incredible. I just want to talk, stop here for just a second, and talk about our sin debt. Our sin debt is massive, and and sometimes we go used to coming to church, going to Bible study, going to school. Life is good. And I accepted Christ when I was four years old, when I was five years old, been going to church my whole life. Don't ever, don't ever forget the sin debt that you owe because it was massive. It was huge. And just like this servant, there was no way that this guy could ever repay his debt. This debt was huge. This debt was massive. First Kings chapter four talks about a certain woman. Uh, uh, came to the prophet Elijah, saying, uh, "Thy servant, my husband, is dead. Thou knowest thy servant did fear the Lord, and a creditor is come to take him and my sons to be bondmen. Here's how. Here's how bad the situation was. In today's society, someone racks up a lot of debt. Look up here. Someone racks up a lot of debt. They go spend thousands and thousands of dollars on their credit card. They go get a loan. I'm going to launch a business and it doesn't go well and now their credit cards are racked up now they can't afford their house they can't afford their car you know and it's it's difficult yes but you know what in America today what so often happens is okay I'm gonna I'm gonna file bankruptcy and and the debt man it's it's puts pressure and maybe some of your parents are going through debt and sometimes it's not even their fault sometimes it's medical bills and and just bad situations that happen I understand that but in today's society that debt as as difficult as it is, and some of you guys have seen your parents try to struggle to make ends meet, as horrible as debt is today, it's nothing in comparison to debt in biblical times. Because today there's, there's bankruptcy and there's different you know, government help system. That's not the case back in this time. In fact, this servant who owed such a great debt, all his possessions would be taken from him and sold to pay off the debt. There's no way he could repay the debt. Uh, but the master was entitled to sell all the possessions. Not just the possessions, though. The master in this passage could sell literally this guy's family. He could pull the family apart. This this debt was going to tear apart his family. Not just in an emotional way because times were tough. Literally, because he could, the master could have taken each child individually and the wife of this guy and sold them all into slavery. Slavery they would have never have seen each other again. This is a bad situation to be in. This debt was massive. The servant was a debtor, and and this debtor, the debt was massive. It was obvious. Uh, it was and the debtor was desperate. The debtor was desperate. Verse number twenty six. He said, "I will pay all." Now there's no way. There's no way. Some of you guys have maybe come to this this point maybe in school you're like you realize that you messed around your whole year, your whole last semester and now you're 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 down to the final wire and you're starting to look at your grades and everything's failing and you've only got one test and you do the math and that one test can't bring your even if you get a hundred can't bring you close enough. So then you go, you go to the teacher and you're like, I'll do anything. I'll do extra credit, I'll do this. Or some of you guys that have played on the football team, basketball team before, you know you gotta keep that GPA. You guys know what I'm talking about. I've been there before. You're like you go to the teacher, and you're like bargaining with the teacher. Can I, can, I, can I do this? Can I work this out? This guy comes to his master, and he starts to try to bargain with him. I will pay all of it back. There's no way. There's no way that this guy would pay it back. And if the guy could, think about it. The guy, the servant's being paid by his master, so the only way for him to work off his debt is for the master to give him the money, and then he'd give it back. It was pointless. He says, I will repay all. He was desperate. And so the king has a choice to make. And look at verse number 27. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debt. So this is this is not the end of the story, but but this guy can, can breathe a sigh of relief. Okay. Literally, his debt was forgiven. A debt that he could not pay back was forgiven. And 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 The Bible says that the Lord had compassion. He had love. He had mercy and grace. And he forgave him and he loosed him. So, I mean, if the story stopped there, that's a pretty awesome story. This guy's got a massive debt. Uh, There's no way he can repay it. I saw the story in the news last year. A 13-year-old in California uh, got a new cell phone bill. His parents didn't know what kind of plan to get him. And so they did not get him a data plan. This guy watched like 200 hours, like literally they calculated it, it was over 200 hours worth of YouTube videos without a data plan. This guy had a cell phone bill of $22,000, $21,000. And and this is for real. This guy had a cell phone bill of 20 something thousand dollars. And luckily for this guy, uh, Verizon forgave the debt and let him buy a new plan and make it retroactive. Can you imagine a debt that large? And then it was forgiven. So that, we see the debt was massive. The debt was incredible. Now listen. We see the role of the servant. First of all, he was a debtor. He owed so much money. Then secondly, he was a creditor. He was a creditor. What do I mean by this? Well, all of a sudden, the roles reverse a bit. Okay? Now pay attention to me. Don't get lost here. Here's the guy who owed so much money. He owed a ton of money. He couldn't pay it. In fact, his family was about to be separated, about to be sold. They would never see each other again. He was going to be in prison because he couldn't pay the debt back. It was going to put an end to his life. And the Lord, his master, comes to him and says, I forgive you of this debt. Everyone breathes a sigh of relief. This guy, okay, finally, he gets to live. It's going to be good. He's going to stay with his family. But now... This is so incredible and so ironic. Somebody comes to this guy. Somebody comes to the servant. In fact, the Bible says it was a fellow servant. We'll read the verse in just a second. The fellow servant comes to this servant, and apparently this guy who owed so much money had lent out a little bit of money. Let's read this verse. Verse number 38. But the same servant went out, found one of his fellow servants, which owed him 100 pence. And laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me now that thou owest. His fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay all. And he would not, but he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. This was this was morally wrong what this guy did. Uh, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until someone has someone else to forgive. We like forgiveness of the concept. We all like to be forgiven. Here's this guy. He had such incredible debt, and his debt was forgiven. He liked that. But now here's a guy who owed him literally just a few pennies. Literally, this guy, remember the one guy? He owed tens of millions of dollars. He had a fellow servant that that owed him a handful of pennies. It was nothing. It was insignificant. It was small. And he comes to this guy and says, pay me now what you owe me. And the servant, the fellow servant finds himself in a very similar situation. He says to the other servant, give me some time. Let me work this off. I will pay back everything. Have patience with me. And let me tell you this. God is so, patience with, so patient with you and I. Your parents are so patient with you. Uh, some of your teachers... Uh, You mock them repeatedly and they're patient with you. And then we're not patient with them. All we have to say about them is negative. We're going to go home, we're going to talk bad about them, and then we're going to go to school and talk bad about our parents. And we're uh, we're not patient with anybody, but we want everybody to be patient with us. And so this guy's saying, be patient with me. Let's work this out. Come on, we can figure something out. Uh, Let's work this out. And the fellow servant, the guy who was just moments away from spending the rest of his life in prison separate from his loved ones, the same guy turns to his fellow servant says, I won't have any patience with you. And he said that he became so angry that he went and literally choked the guy. He choked the guy and threw the guy in prison. How many guys say, that's wrong? That's wrong. This guy that owes so much money, now the, the, the tables have turned. He's in the role of the creditor. He's loaned money, and now he's not nearly as patient. He's he's not he's not halfway, not a not a percentage of of patience does this guy have that his master had? And so he demands it. The servant was a creditor. And, uh, I, I remember when uh, Ashley and I were building our house, um, we had for for a period of time we moved out of our apartment and we were living in. Uh, uh, a fifth wheel that we were, they were borrowing from Ashley's parents. I remember we were building our house, and uh, to, all of our stuff wouldn't fit in the fifth wheel, so we, we got this big uh, storage unit. It was from Allied Storage. And they went, and it was a 40 foot long storage unit. We put all of our stuff in the storage unit. We kept it on our property. We were building our house. And I remember every month it was like 30 or 40 bucks, but it was great. It was better than a storage unit in town because everything was closed, and it was twice as big, and it was mobile storage unit. I remember we got our final bill once our house was finished and uh, the final bill was like 40 bucks like what it had been every month and then, then we told them that they could come pick up the storage unit. They came and picked it up. I remember a couple months later I got a bill from them and it said, uh, "We due to some incorrect math uh, you owe us money. I'm like oh no. You know, so I opened it up. Is this going to be thousands? <laughs> you know, what happened here? Because we thought the storage unit was such a good deal and I got this bill, this invoice it said, and it's big, hot pink paper, like, pay now, you know, all these, like, death threats. You know, you better pay now. And I looked at the bottom line. It was 16 cents. I'm like, seriously? I look on the stamp. The stamp's, like, you know, 32 cents or whatever to send. And I'm like, seriously? The stamp to send this invoice to me is double the cost of what I owe them, you know? So then then I, I'm like, this is hilarious. I'm not paying this 16 cents. You know, they can go on, like, Outside, look on the ground for 15, 16 cents. So then uh, they would call me. Now, I know this is not what good Christians are supposed to do, but I just thought this was funny. They would call me every month. Sir, you owe us money. I'm like, how much do I owe you? Let me look it up. Oh, just 16 cents. Oh, okay. I'll send that off to you. <laughs> you know, I'll write you a check. And then, and then the next month they would come. Literally, I did that for two years. <laughs> I'm like, like, are you going to turn me into the... No, that's not a bad testimony, but that was hilarious. By the time it was all said and done... For like two years, they sent me a letter. You know, it must have cost them $20, and I finally paid the 16 cents. But you know what? Some creditors today, you, you'll find out, and your parents can tell you, some, some creditors, man, they're relentless. You owe somebody money, they're not very patient with you. You know, uh, they want you to be patient with them, but they're not, they're not very patient with you. So this guy, he's, he's a creditor. He owes money. What do we see? First of all, he was hurtful. He was hurtful. Got to write these down, move quickly. He was hurtful. <clears throat> Verse number 28. Look at this, it says, But the same fellow servant went out, came and found one of his fellow servants which owed money uh, and hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. That word uh, where it's talked about, he grabbed him by the throat, that's the same Greek word to describe the pig's that drowned in the body of water when, when Jesus cast the demons into them. The word choked means strangled. This guy's so mad over a few pennies that he comes, he's, he's lost his senses, he's lost his perce- perception. He's not thinking clearly. And when we get bitter, when we get angry about something, when we cease to forgive, we don't make sense. We get mad about things that don't make sense. And, and then someone sits down with you and tries to reason with you. You're not thinking clearly. You know, this person loves you. They've done all these things. And yeah, but he did this this one time. Not making sense. And this guy, he's not making sense. He's not being rational. He comes and literally puts his hands around this guy's neck and starts choking him for some pennies. It was hurtful. Not only was it hurtful, it was hypocritical. It was hypocritical. This is exactly what he didn't want done to himself. And so he pleaded, he pleaded for mercy for his own faults, but was, but was extremely critical of the faults of others. He's a, he demanded payment. You see, sin blinds. I, I, we talked a few weeks back about uh, in, in high school chapel about uh, Nathan when he came to Dave, David, and he, and he makes up this parable uh, about uh, the rich man that stole the poor man's sheep, his one sheep. Remember David? He was blinded by his sin. He wasn't rational. He said, let's... Bring this guy in. Let's kill him. And then Nathan says, Thou art the man. You see, sin blinds. Some of you guys are in far worse shape spiritually than, than you believe right now. Because sin has blinded, and that's exactly how the devil wants it to be. doesn't want you to take a prayer time for youth conference seriously. doesn't want you to pay attention. Uh doesn't want you to go forward to uh, any, any service at youth conference because you're blinded by your own sin sin blinds he was hypocritical then he was not helpful in making the situation situation right he was not helpful he throws the guy into prison and then tells him to pay him back how is he going to you know in today's age you can go to prison and literally you can you can get a job it's not making a lot of money but you can make license plates and do this and that and you can actually make some money in prison okay And this time, there was no work program in in prison. I mean, it was a dungeon. It was dark. There was nothing for him to do. And the guy throws him into prison. He throws his fellow servant into prison and then says, pay me back. He was not helpful. You know, some people, when when they're wronged, when someone did something wrong to you, we demand for them to make it right, but then we close our hearts to them to give them any opportunity to actually make that right. Some of you, maybe your parents have disappointed you and you've had a conversation with them and you express your disappointment and they re- express their remorse and they've tried to make that right to you and you've given them no chance. Some of you have a friend that maybe did something that they shouldn't have done to you. They talked poorly about you. They, they were mean to you or whatever and then, and then they try to make it right and you give them no chance to do so. You're just as wrong as they are. Here's a guy He throws his fellow servant into prison and then tells him to pay it back. He wasn't helpful. Here's a practical tip. When someone does something wrong to you and then they tried to make it right, don't make it more difficult for them. Someone was talking bad about you. Someone was, I don't know, belittling you. Someone stole something from you. And then they're 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 seriously sorry for what they did, and they're trying to find you after church, and they're trying to talk to you at the school lockers, and you blow them off. You're just as wrong as they are. He was not helpful in the situation at all. He was hypocritical. He's not helpful. Helpful. So the the servant he was first of all a debtor. He owed a lot of money. He was secondly a creditor. He had loaned a lot of money that somebody owed him, and in that creditorship he was hypocritical. He was hurtful. He was not helpful thirdly third role of the servant was he was a prisoner he was a prisoner if we could have only ended the story after his debt was forgiven it would have been a great day for this guy That's not what happened you see what happened was this verse number 31 so when his fellow servants saw what was done they were very sorry and they can't that word sorry means that they were sad and they came and told their unto their Lord what was done the Lord's uh, and then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, "O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee of all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee, the Lord was wroth and delivered him into his tormentors till so he should pay all that was due unto him. Now listen here's the guy he was he was forgiven of such incredible debt. Then he was demanding of such a small debt that the fellow servants took notice. Let me tell you this. If you live in a way that is demeaning to other people and hurtful to other people, sarcastic all the time with other people, they may not call you out on it every moment that you are, but people are taking note of it. Here's this guy. He comes to a servant and demands payment. He's hypocritical. He's hurtful. And his fellow servants were watching. They didn't say anything. They didn't interview him or intervene uh, when he was choking his fellow servant. They just stood back and they watched this. Let me just tell you guys: your peers are standing back and watching everything they do. They're formulating an opinion of you right now that's going to last for years. The guys in your class, you know, that go go out and uh, get jobs and have a career and have a family, one day they're going to they're going to open up their yearbook and they're going to see your picture and it's going to bring out some sort of memory, some sort of feeling. And so the fellow servants, they're so, they're so upset by what they saw. Okay, legally, this guy had every right to collect money that was owed to him. Morally, what he was doing was wrong. And so the fellow servants come to the master, the same master uh, that, that be- began the story by, by forgiving such incredible debt. Same servants come to him and they tell him what happened. They said, here's what happened. That guy that you just forgave all that debt He's come back and he's choked this guy and he's thrown him into prison. And it's wrong. First point here. The servant was a prisoner. Other took notice. They were sorry. He sat on his behalf. His heart was revealed. His heart was revealed. Given the facts, the king made a good judgment call. This is a very important lesson to learn here. We're going to talk about it in just a second. Given the facts, the king made a very important, the, the master made a very important judgment call. He said his heart was wicked. His heart was revealed. Now listen, a lot of times what happens is the first time through, maybe somebody stands up and they're scornful of scriptures, they're rude to you, they're, they're whatever. And then all of a sudden, we've all seen this before, now they're they're standing up and they're praying for, for at school lunch and you know whatever and we're like man what's what's up with this this is so hypocritical and sometimes you get called out for doing hardly anything when someone else in the classroom was raising all sorts of havoc like man what's what's up with this and here the the, the master originally released this guy but it wasn't long till he was back it wasn't long till everything was made right let me just tell you guys. If in your mind, authority missed something, if in your mind someone deserved a harsher punishment than they got, or you deserved a less harsh punishment than you got, just be patient. This guy, this, this, this Lord, was, was human. He made a mistake. Maybe he shouldn't have been as gracious as he was. But given the facts, the Lord reckon, uh, reckoned it. He made it right. So his heart was revealed. He was reminded of his experience of forgiveness. He had received forgiveness, but he had not experienced forgiveness. And as a result, he was unable to share forgiveness. Some of you guys, that's why I believe in some situation, it's a good thing to cut someone some slack. Okay? Someone does something that a little out of character, they don't normally do, they said something they shouldn't have said, they did something they shouldn't have done, and, and, and now the it's a judgment call on authority. I mean, do we do this? Do we kick him out? Do we do this? You, you know, those are never easy decisions to make. But in some situations, if, if someone's genuinely sorry and experiences that forgiveness, it's going to make them a better person. There's others that are not truly repentant of their sin and honestly don't deserve that forgiveness. Um, so the, the, his heart was revealed. He was reminded of his experience of forgiveness. And he received the punishment he deserved. He received the punishment he deserved. He, he, received, he, he ended up where he should have been all along. And had he been a little more gracious with this guy that owed him some money, things would have turned out differently. But he received what he originally deserved. He was cast into prison, and his family was broken apart because of his sin. So I see the three roles of of this servant. Two choices for each believer. Here's the applications that we can make. Two choices. First of all, I can continually seek out justice for myself and find bondage. I can continually seek out justice for myself and find bondage. Someone once said the world's worst prison is an unforgiving heart. Listen, some of you if you're not careful, can, can go through your entire, entire high school years and your entire life uh, wanting, seeking justice and seeking how somebody wronged you. Oh, that wasn't right. They shouldn't have done that. And yeah, it wasn't right. But that <clears throat> you were looking for it from, from, from the start. And some can seek out justice, spend all their time, not, not time with the Lord, not time encouraging others, but spend all their time, all their emotion, all their energy seeking justice for themselves. Last year, this happened to me. And that wasn't nice. And I, I still haven't forgotten it. And I'm going to make this right. I can continually seek out justice for myself. And what happens? You don't find freedom, you find bondage. You find bondage to that unforgiveness, you, you for, find bondage in that bitterness. So I can continually seek out justice for myself and find bondage, or I can forgive others and find freedom. I can forgive others and find freedom. You say, well, what if they hurt me again? What if they talk bad about me again? How many times did Jesus tell Peter to forgive his fellow brother? I can seek to forgive others, and when you do that, you find freedom. Last, uh, I believe it was last Halloween, there was a story on the news. Some of you guys might have seen this story. There's this lady. She goes to buy candy in New York City. She goes to the store. It was a Target shopping center in New York City. And what she's doing, she's spending her own money to buy candy for the kids in her neighborhood. Okay? She's a nice lady. She's your nice next-door neighbor. She's going. She got off work early. This is her favorite thing to do is to pass out candy on Halloween. Some of you guys might have seen this on the news. Two guys come, and they ended up getting charged criminally for doing this. But they're there three stories up on top of the Target building. They got a shopping cart, and they threw it over the shopping cart, and it hit this lady, severely injuring this lady. She was really messed up. In fact, she can't see out of one eye. She can't walk unassisted, all because some guys were trying to have some fun. I don't know. If I were this, lady, if I were this lady's husband, I'd be upset. I'd be slow to forgive. A few weeks ago, I, I saw her on the news again. I almost forgot about the story. They asked her, they were interviewing her, because she just, just a few, think about this. This happened in October. She was just released from rehabilitation. Can't see out of one eye, can't walk correctly. They asked her, uh, have, you, have you talked to the guys that have done this to you? She said, I haven't heard from them, but I wish them well. I feel sorry for them, but I wish them well. She, wanna, she went on to say uh, how she forgave them. She wasn't. She wasn't going to harbor bitterness. She, she wasn't going to be upset with her whole life. She she had lost too much time already in the hospital in rehabilitation and rehabilitation to be upset with these, and she's just, she was going to let it go. She was going to forgive them. And that's the attitude that we ought to have. When someone's wrong, not to keep track. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, And we're going to make this right, but to forgive. Someone once said to forgive is to set a prisoner free and then discover that that prisoner was you. And so often when you're holding back forgiveness and you think, you're holding someone else in check. All you're really doing is holding yourself in check. So we saw two options. And then finally, one motive. This is the most important thing. One motive. That is Jesus Christ. Why should we forgive? It's really simple. Because Christ forgave us. For Christ was that, that master that forgave us of an incredible debt. A debt that we could not repay. What do you do do when you're wrong? What do you do when someone treats you poorly, when someone takes advantage of you? First of all, follow Christ's example of forgiveness. Follow Christ's example of forgiveness. Three times in Scripture, Mark 11, Matthew 6, Luke 6, God connects our forgiveness to others to His forgiveness of us. And when Jesus was teaching His disciples how to forgive, Jesus reminded his disciples that God had forgiven them. Now listen, this doesn't mean that that when you're wronged, someone takes advantage of you, that, that they, they do not need to pay. That they no, no, they do. And that wrong sh- should be corrected. Uh, but I'm talking about forgiveness, the not harboring bitterness in your heart. Follow Christ's example of forgiveness. A forgiving spirit characterizes God. Those who don't want to forgive reveal a heart that has not been transformed by the Holy Spirit. If you're unwilling to forgive, if you're unwilling to make a situation right, it says something about your walk with the Lord. Someone treats you poorly, they ask for forgiveness, and you're not quick to forgive them, there's something wrong in your heart. Follow Christ's example of forgiveness. Then next, release all bitterness. Release all bitterness. The Bible says, "Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice." Thirdly, be ready to forgive. Be ready to forgive. Be ready to forgive. The Bible says, "Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against you, against any, uh, even as Christ forgave, so also do ye." Now listen. Here's how this should work. Someone wrongs you, instantly release all bitterness. This is tough to do. This takes a mature Christian. Someone calls you a name, someone wrongs you, release all bitterness. Then forgive them. Be ready to forgive, even as Christ forgave us. And then thirdly, this is a a final note here. Refuse to use another's fault against them. Refuse to use another's fault against them. Now, how many of you guys ever heard the phrase, forgive and forget? Forgive and forget. How many guys heard that before? Okay, that's nice if it actually worked that way, but you guys know it's impossible. Christ is omniscient. God is omniscient. God knows everything. And yet, God said, I will remember your sin no more. When Christ forgave your sin, he made a conscious effort to not use your sin against you. That's what it means by forgive and forget because humanly speaking, we can't go into our brains like a hard drive and throw a memory into the trash can and honestly never remember it. But what that does mean is that you will not use another's fault against you back against them. That's what it means to forgive and and to forget. Put away bitterness, forgive, and forget. I will remember your sin no more, Jesus said. One great, one great note to close out on is this, and it's found in Deuteronomy 32, and we don't have to turn there, but basically there's a verse in Deuteronomy 32-34 that says that God keeps track of everything. And, and you're continually wronged. God's watching. God's in control. And, and what that does is that takes the burden off us. Guys, we don't have to keep score. That person did that to me one time. That person did that to me one time. Our duty as believers, is to forgive as Christ forgave us. Not to keep score, because we're human. Your your parents are human. They're going to make mistakes. Your teachers, coaches, they're going to make mistakes. Are you quick to forgive? Are you quick to offer that forgiveness? Are you quick to release that bitterness? Because if you're not, you're just as hypocritical as that servant that came and was demanding of the payment. The same situation that he should have been thrown in prison for, now he's, he's demanding. Don't be that type of servant. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.